Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Starving Writers Guild Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Christian. It's nice to have you here with us. So, a bit of bad news to start the night. Um, as I'm sure you've already noticed by now, but whenever this episode actually gets edited along the way, uh, we lost one of the episodes. And a bit of a bummer. I mean, it just kind of happened. It was being downloaded, then John's internet went out, and he thought it was downloaded fully, and it's gone. So... Uh, it's just one of those freak things with nature, and frankly, I just didn't have it in me to re-record everything. I mean, I don't want to look in the past. We are looking forward, so just wanted to let you know when you eventually get to this episode, because I'll, I'll definitely put the episode notes, because like, well, what happened to the stuff we were supposed to discuss? Well, this is why. So that way you'll know in the future, while I'm talking about this in the past, you know, time travel shenanigans, who knows what we're dealing with. But anyways... I have been busy because I'm recording this later than I want. And I'm sure you're used to that. So, well, Christian, you have a consistent schedule. Well, I'm supposed to, uh, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I'm just working on it day by day, hoping to make the best out of this, you know, doing this purely for fun. But uh, what I can do is tell you what I have been watching recently. Uh, that has been. It's been a wild ride these past couple of days. And part of it was I finally finished the Skull Man. And let me say, that right there, as I hit my mic, <laughs> there's our one for the day. I can't hit it again. I'll be penalized. Uh, the Skull Man what, blew me away with how great it was. Uh, I had a really great line in the end that's kind of stuck with me. Uh, oh, how did it go? It went, uh, you can't bribe... You can't bribe the guards of the gates of hell. It's like, that's such a great line to say to someone before you kill them. <laughs> uh, been, that line has been living in my head rent-free these past couple of days. And I love it so much. Uh, I can really correctly guess who the actual Skullman was. So that was fun. And uh, by the way, I meant this as a joke. I didn't actually think they'd be that tied together. Cyborg 009 and, and the Skullman, but apparently so. And, well, I guess my joking attempts at guessing things are also right. <laughs> and to those of you who've seen the show, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So, yeah, that was that took me for a bit of a ride. Let's see, what else have I been watching? I, oh, I saw No Time to Die. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, a fitting send-off to, to Daniel Craig's Bond, I'll say. I mean, I know there, was a lot of, there were a lot of detractors. Uh, speaking about it, um, I get what they're saying, but no, I, I'm fine with what it is. I mean, I was never really big on Craig's Mon. Not that he was bad. It's just, you know, compared to your your uh, Conneries and Daltons and so on and so forth, not as good. That doesn't mean he's bad. It just means when the list goes down, you know, someone's got to be in that spot that he's at. I, don't, I haven't made my list of Bonds, but We'll get there one day, maybe. Not that this podcast covers that stuff. So definitely, I would recommend that. I also finally saw Soul, which was you know one of those cheery movies you just need to see every now and then, just to remind yourself just how how great we have it in this world. You know, for the most part, that you know just because you're really into something doesn't mean that's your purpose in life. So that was really good. But uh, oh, and I'm continuing with Ultraman. Uh, I am almost done with Ultraman Dinah. I just need to finish three episodes and the Ultraman Dinah Antigua movie. 
and then I'll be in Gaia, if I remember correctly. So looking forward to a lot of that. T- uh, excuse me, Dinah has been a lot of good fun. I mean, they are nailing it. I- I'm glad there was such a long break between 80 and Tika. It definitely got, uh, had plenty of time for Superaya to get their act together. So I'm lo- really looking forward to what they have in store as the series continues. But without further ado, let's uh, do this. Steal that catchphrase from a much better podcast. <laughs> and we will be uh, with our comics podcast. Oh, nope. Stop. Word. Don't mess with my stuff. Quit messing with my stuff, word. Bad word. Bad. Like the stuff you pay for. Okay. Uh, we will be starting with The Amazing Spider Man, issue 79, Beyond, chapter 5. This is written by uh, Cody Ziegler. It is drawn by Michael Dowling and Jesus Arbutov. So, oh, no wonder. What did you just do? Oh, I took off one of my Word documents. Oh, that's lovely. No, I forget it. There's nothing important in that one anyways. Just so you can know my computer woes. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, screw it. Let's continue. Uh, starting off the issue, we see uh, some rando from Beyond Corporation is walking out after going out to the bar with his buddies. And he sees someone above him stalking him, uh, cries out to the Lord, but he does not get saved as so many do, because they don't actually believe. (laughs) Sorry, that was awful. All right, uh, moving on from that terrible joke, uh, we see Ben in the Beyond, uh, one of their laboratories, uh, being uh, zapped by electricity, it seems. says, why are you doing this, Doc? And Marcus is saying, because I don't think a firmware update, oh, he's saying, because I don't think a firmware update should take this long. One of the doctors says, after the Morbius incident, some upgrades were to be expected. Of course, if our new hire wasn't a no-show this morning, things would be moving much faster. I'm not saying your job isn't important, Joe, but what are the odds I'll get bit by a vampire twice in the same month? And Marcus says, this is precisely the type of concern Beyond pays people to have. You'd do well to remember that and to take your duties a bit more seriously. I think I've made it clear how seriously I take my responsibilities. It's why I'd rather be down there helping instead of sitting through another tech talk. I'm a bit of a genius myself, in case you forgot. I can do a firmware update in my sleep. Which the two of the scientists behind him is like, we're right here, man. <laughs> and Marcus continues, in case you forgot, Beyond and its board members have invested a considerable amount, not only into your and Janine's rehabilitation, but also into equipping you with the best technology, intel, and support staff money can buy. So that when Spider-Man is out there, you're representing Beyond's interests in the best possible light. Beyond's interests? I must have misheard you. My understanding of our arrangement is that just because I'm Spider-Man and work for Beyond doesn't mean they own me. I'm my own man, Marcus. My own Spider-Man. You chose me over the other guy because I'm too bullheaded and strong-willed. Your words, Marcus. You wanted me because I have my own thoughts. And right now I'm thinking my job isn't to help Beyond look good. Isn't to help Beyond look good. It's to help people. Well, actually, Ben, it's both. Hope you're not going too far. Your patrol starts in half an hour and Ben has jumped off the top of the Beyond Corporation's tower says, I need to clear my head, would hate to disappoint Beyond with a bad performance. Uh, so in narration, we get Bet Marcus and the Geek Squad are scrambling to see where I go on my little stroll. Guess I should have mentioned the whole update the firmware in my sleep wasn't a bluff. I did it last night. Nothing too fancy, just a simple AI that lets me turn off my suit's tracking and comm systems. So stop real quick before we keep going on. Uh, I like this little addition into the series, because you know sometimes it feels like writers forget just how smart Peter is. And, you know, as many problems as I had with Slot, like he did remember the man was a genius. So him actually starting a company made sense, even though it was Doc Ock that started it. 
but he kept it going, you know, creating uh, new inventions and uh, finding the Parker particles and so on and so forth. So Ben obviously is Peter cloned. So he would have his memories and some of his, you know, desires and, you know, what sparks his interests. So it makes sense that he would be smart, maybe equally so. Well, probably not equally so. Peter's had more experience, but he's not that far behind. So I like that they're focusing on this. So uh, he goes to the hospital where Peter is at. It puts do not disturb mode on, please. And goes to the windows. Uh, MJ and Peter in there it says, oh, hey, MJ, wasn't sure you'd be here. Didn't want to uh, intrude or anything. MJ says, Ben, it's fine. Could use the company, honestly. Corporate life seems to be treating you well. He says, I guess you could say that. Sometimes I think answering the board members is scarier than any run-in I, uh, we ever had with Rhino. You want a breather? I can do Firewatch if you want to take in all the sights of one of New York's premier ICUs. And she says, I already hit most of the vending machines in the East Wing. Maybe I'll let my hair down and try the ones by the nurse's station. I hear that's where they hide the good stuff. And she goes over to Peter and kisses him as he's asleep. And it says, don't go anywhere, okay, Tiger? And she looks over at Ben and says, want anything? Says, I wouldn't sneeze at a cocoa bar. And she leaves, leaving Ben alone with Peter as he sits down. And he's talking to the unconscious Peter, saying, cards on the table, you definitely look better, buddy. And he thinks to himself, don't be stupid, Ben. He doesn't need bits right now. Says, look, you're coming out of the other side of this thing smelling like roses. I just know it. And I can't wait for all the good we're going to do on the streets together. But I got to be honest here, Pete. It's not easy. I mean, I, I didn't think it would be. Don't get me wrong. It's just the saving people part comes natural. It's in our DNA, you know. But it's the bigger existential stuff. Am I going about the Spider-Man thing the right way? Did I make the right play? Because the little voice in the back of my noggin stopped asking who is Spider-Man and moved on to what is Spider-Man? I guess I'm just wondering if I hitched my cart to the right wagon. Feel dumb even saying this out loud, but does Beyond really have folks on the ground's best interest at heart? Well, listen to me. Got to be the only guy on Earth that can put a guy in a, co in a coma into an even deeper. And there's a news flash uh, saying that uh, there's a bank robbery in Midtown. So uh, Ben leaves through the door and says, says to the doctors and nurses and MJ out there, says, um, well, get better, buddy. Consider that wish officially made. <laughs> I lost it when it first happened. I was like, I was not expecting a Make-A-Wish joke. And he goes over to MJ and says, Rain check on that cocoa, uh, cocoa bar. Duty calls. She says, heard that one before. He leaves, puts the do not disturb off, and a science team is trying to contact him. Like, hey, how are you able to do this? It's like, you know, whatever. Don't worry about it. I'm smart. So he goes after the bank robbers and manages to save a child in distress. And he goes down and says, you know, nice to meet you. I'm Spider-Man. That was pretty scary, huh? Uh, bright side, you can tell your you met Spider-Man. She says, I can. Absolutely. They'll love it. And Marcus calls him once again. And Spider-Man, uh, Ben says, <clears throat> thought the con uh, subtext of the last convo was I'm willing to be a team player. I mean, I really laid it on thick. But you did an incredible job, Ben. I'm honestly thrilled you responded so well to this particular tier of crime. I'll see about adding more street-level activities to the patrol algorithm. That's not why I called. Beyond board member Andrew Ayers pinged security about a possible break-in. Doors to his penthouse are in lockdown mode, and you're our fastest way in. I don't know if babysitting billionaire board members meets my definition of doing good out there, but sometimes the little guy on the ground is a little bit less little than expected. Ayers has people worried about him, too. Okay, consider my heartstrings officially pulled. ETA four minutes. So Ben goes off, uh, finds that this guy is obviously rich, hears him crying out in distress, but then sees him on the ground and realizes, oh, 
you look dead, Andrew, as there is this uh, poison dart in the man's uh, neck. As he turns around, there's this giant explosion forcing him back. And in his narration, he's saying, Impact foam took most of the blast, but not all. Head feels like it's just been used as Hulk's personal speed back. Gotta get on my feet. We hear, I've learned the cause of a thousand animal spider. And I know yours. The broken moans of a dying man as Craven the Hunter has appeared. And uh, Spider-Man tries to get up and swing at him. Craven continues, it is a grand night, for Craven the Hunter wishes to bestow a great gift upon you. Deadpool, Wolverine, and now you. I bring the offering in my greatest hunt, a hunt of cleansing. And he hits Spider-Man right in the face. Now, real quick, I don't know if this is him saying that he's captured Deadpool and Wolverine, or if he's referencing previous adventures, but which wouldn't make sense because this is the clone of Craven that came out of the whole hunted storyline. The only one to survive after uh, the OG Craven died for good. So uh, maybe that's happened. I, I think maybe this Craven actually did fight Deadpool at one point. I can't remember. But I'm fairly certain he hasn't fought Wolverine. So I may be wrong, but just checking on canon. Who cares anyways? Not Marvel. <laughs> Unless, of course, they're showing up later in the cities. But probably not because they're not on the covers. And Ben tries to get away. Uh, but unfortunately, like Craven has put traps and uh, weapons all over this uh, apartment building and puts Ben down and like Ben runs out of a window to try and get away. But this was also booby trapped and he gets hit by dozens of darts and falls down to the ground well, on the roof of a nearby building. He says, feel lightheaded, not blood loss, something else. Oh, no. And his suit is warning him about a breach into his bloodstream. And he's seeing like. A lot of crazy things out there as his mind is being affected by these mind-altering drugs. We get Rejoice Spider as this angelic lion-looking craven appears, like, obviously as a result of his hallucinations. It says, for your great awakening has begun. So, uh, this is a bit of an uptick as far as stories go. I'm liking where this one is heading. Um, trying to speculate on what could happen. Like, obviously, Ben's going to beat Craven, uh, that probably through willpower. I mean, maybe he finds well. Uh, I would say werewolf, Wolverine, and Deadpool. Probably not, because it probably would have been on the cover, because they would have wanted more people to buy the book that way. Who knows? So that was a fun little outing with Spider-Man. We will now move on to the first Iron Man issue that we're covering on the podcast. This will be Iron Man issue fourteen, Through the Mirror. This is written by Christopher Cantwell, uh, drawn by. I had to look this one up. I'm pretty certain I'm screwing it up. It's an acronym. It's C-A-F-U. And then Angel Enzueta and Frank Darmada. So, sorry for butchering all your names. So in the previous issue, uh, Iron Man had been attempting to fight Korvac, who has come back into this uh, android uh, body to become you know, more godlike like he had been in the past. And Iron Man has teamed up with some other heroes, uh, including Hellcat, to take him down, but in the process of going towards uh, onto Ta Two, which is one of the or the primary ship, if I remember correctly, of Galactus, uh, they encountered the power cosmic. Korvac absorbed it into himself, but Iron Man did so as well. And we go through some very trippy moments here of uh, Iron Man in space, right, trying to get Boss, which is one of his AIs, to record things, but he finds this mirror and goes through it. Oh, there you are. Watch. Good job. And goes through the mirror and says, I didn't even think about the consequences of touching the power while still in my armor. 
okay, where is this? But this is Avengers Mansion, or rather Stark Mansion, my childhood home. And he sees little Tony there as he's obviously traveling, you know, through his own memories of what's happening. Realizing that, you know, his mom and dad aren't going to be around, or perhaps they just died in the accident that took them away from him. And he's realizing this particular memory was that he had sat there on these stairs waiting for them for hours, but no one ever saw him in that moment. And he even goes further and says, no one ever saw me. Even then, I knew that if I wanted to be seen, I had to do something different, something drastic, something that everyone would notice. Then, even if they didn't want to, they would see me as he kind of grows in size and breaks through the mansion and flies off. He says, now you see me, don't you? This is more like it. Then we wait as he gets attacked by this kind of psychic onslaught and he falls down to the ground <laughs> into uh, Avengers Mansion again, where a image of Captain America is there holding some cereal, holding a, uh, an old landline phone, says, it's for you. And Tony talks to the phone, uh, finding that it's his father who is still disappointing, even in death. And he gets knocked over into a scrap heap, kind of garbage yard of various Iron Man armors, like there's the Hulkbuster there, there's, uh, what was the silver one from a while back, and then the original Iron Man armor, that real clunky thing. And we flash over to Korvac, who, uh, was this the living laser? I'm trying to remember who was on the team of supervillains he recruited, and it's, it's not coming to me at the moment. He's calling him Lord Korvac. Yeah, tis the Iron Man. But uh, Korvac says, who dares? You. And pulls the sword out and says, out from my universe at once, flee. You get Iron Man's narration again. Korvac. Korvac accessed the power cosmic too. But that's not actually him. That's what I'm afraid he is. Okay, some of this isn't lost on me. The father issues, the typical childhood traumas, the phallic imagery, Korvac is some scary alpha Lothario idiot. Is this really all that's percolating in my subconscious? Honestly, it's disappointing, and he manages to slay this Korvac and throw him into a black hole as he thinks, I hate it. I hate myself. I hate that after all this time, this is still the kind of basic crap that's motivating me inside. I just accessed the power cosmic, and I hate myself. I tried to strip it all away. I just wanted to be a guy who helps people, a hero and a friend, like Patsy said. But look at me. Same old story. The pattern never changes. That ends today, and he destroys everything around him accesses the power cosmic more and then goes uh, at, back to Earth as Earth's heroes confront him. We get some of the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, Spider-Man and say, they'll try to stop me. They'll think it's just another one of my bad ideas. But you know what? It's time for me to be in charge for a while. And he obliterates all these fake images of them in his mind. He says, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I don't think it needs to come to that. But this is my time. I have so many ideas. I could fix everything, starting with myself, but that's just the beginning. I promise you it would be so it would all be so beautiful. I've got to get back. This is exciting. I can't wait to begin. The cosmic transformation process can must be nearly complete. I can feel it. When I wake up, it'll be a new day. A brand new day. Well, that's not triggering to me for any reason. Spider-Man. I'll make sure I reappear or reconstitute or whatever with the others until and I'll smile look at them in the eye and just say good morning and we see reality as we know it I at the 11th hour I had my doubts even my faith was shaken but now I won't waste one more moment in delay my new vocation awaits and I must acquaint myself with every facet of this universe I intend to beta, beta 
The work is vast, even for me. But the healing can begin almost immediately. My role as savior begins now. Get off screen. About that. Kovac turns and says, you. Yes, me. Good morning. And Iron Man has returned in this kind of really sick, almost almost Ultron-esque suit. It's all very, very silver with uh, red uh, beams around him. It's got these two little uh, points on the back of the armor. Honestly, it looks pretty cool. So this is the cosmically powered Iron Man facing down the power cosmic in the form of Korvac. Uh, so we definitely see a fight between them. Yeah, that's been the main focus of this book. And one of its most compelling parts. So uh, Cantwell can get a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Pretentious. And I know that's rich coming from me to anyone who's ever read anything I've written. But he does like to indulge in himself a little bit. So, especially when it comes to philosophy, as I've noticed, sometimes it can be a little grating, like uh, uh, earlier when Gargoyle was, uh, a couple issues ago, was discussing God and stuff like that. And this one this one felt a little more on par with, you know, being more reasonable. So, an enjoyable issue. I'm interested. <laughs> I'm fascinated. Uh, Mr. Spock, to see where this goes next. And we move on to our final comic of this evening because I did decide I was going to cover the first issue of the Hulk and the first issue of the new Black Panther run, but neither one of them really impressed me. So I decided, you know what, uh, these take long enough anyway, so what's the harm in not adding more to this? So we're going to the X-Men which should be the first time we've covered that on the podcast. Because the only one we've ever done is Inferno. Or maybe that's the episode that got taken out. Who remembers now? Not me. Uh, issue 5, Fearless, Chapter 4. Don't piss off Polaris. <laughs> uh, very true. Uh, written by uh, Gary Dugan. Drawn by Javier Pina, Zé Carlos, and Eric Arciniega. Definitely said that one wrong, too. But we'll just deal with it. So we start with the X-Men who have been defeated off-screen by the Reavers, who are trying to mess with uh, an election in Mexico. And Sunfire is facing off with them, trying to take them down. But he is also beaten by them. As Polaris wakes up, sees Gina's down, uh, puts her glasses on, looks at the Reavers and says, Okay, boys, you may have taken out with the rest of my team. Dump my flat, white, and busted... Got my flat, white and busted, my glasses. But you also really pissed me off as she uses her magnetic powers to take uh, Laura, uh, X-23, Wolverine. I keep forgetting actual Wolverine. Well, the first Wolverine is not on this team. It is uh, X-23. So I probably said this before. It's so confusing to me. I'll call her Wolverine for now. Maybe that'll help me. Who knows? Probably not. And we flash back to the Hellfire Gala where Dr. Strange was uh, noticing that the mutants are all talking to each other. Oh, which, uh, by the way, sorry, mini rant that has next to nothing to do with this one. <laughs> but that was also one of the things that infuriated me with uh, the first issue of the Hulk and Black Panther, is that Dr. Strange is active in both of those, and he's supposed to be dead right now. <laughs> Even though that miniseries hasn't ended, uh, it's still kind of jarring. It's... <laughs> I don't know. Marvel canon sometimes really just irks me. So 
Like, just keep things consistent, please. We know Doctor Strange is coming back at some point. This is comics. You know, still, at least pretend like it matters. But anyways, actually, what happening? what is happening in this book, Gene um, <clears throat> uh, is in contact with everyone mentally as well. And Polaris tries to say, you know, she doesn't want to be on the team. But Gene changes that to just pick me. Which messes with her. And causes a bunch of, you know, uh, resentment in her mind a little bit. Not truly resentment, but more like, you know, why did you make this decision for me? And we see, you know, the scene with Wolverine and Sink and Sunfire and Cyclops, Rogue, Jean Grey, uh, making the new X-Men team. We flash back to, excuse me, flash forward to where we're at now. And Polaris is engaging with everything, uh, trying to help prevent a meltdown at one of the stations there. Oh, no, this is uh, on Monday. I can't remember when this issue actually happens. I went and see her in space, helping out with Rogue, you know, saving people on the job. Uh, This is still on Monday. Then on Tuesday, it seems that's uh, when they were under attack by the High Evolutionary. Was that last issue or the one before that? Can't remember. And she's seeing that one of the uh, dogs, uh, the seal dog, actually rather cute has a camera on it and she's asking who's watching us and we get uh, one of the villains Dr. Stasis who's kind of been built up in the background for this series says oh smart cookie Polaris a correction Dr. Polaris she did work uh, she did the work and earned the title as for you seal seal Moranian (laughs) everyone fights for Dr. Stasis or you shall face the consequences and he remotely kills seal Moranian (laughs) and Wolverine's asked that's cold dang uh, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do anything. Then we flash forward to today. Sorry, all those flashes are kind of messing with my perception. And Polaris once again activates Wolverine uh, using her uh, magnetic powers. Wolverine is still unconscious, but doesn't matter if you can manipulate adamantium. And <clears throat> uh, one of the Reavers are asking, you know, oh, what are the X-Men really worth? And Lorna says, your lives. I don't want to fight you, and Wolverine doesn't either because she's unconscious, but I need answers. You're going to tell me who put you up to this while my friend here cuts the weapons right off of you. And she uses Wolverine to kill them, uh, kill some of them, slice through others. As they try and take her down, uh, uh, not telepathically, like, kinda. In that moment, as Wolverine kind of wakes up in the midst of this, she says, Geez, first you kill that weird dog, and now this. Remind me not to piss you off. All right, Chuds, you had your fun. Now shoo. As Wolverine uh, continues to fight, and Polaris comes down to one of the Reavers, says, and you, the rude one, your transgressions will cost you something more. Your shades. <laughs> she takes, steals the shades from him to replace the ones she uh, were broken. And Wolverine, noticing the death and destruction around, says, they came prepared for us. How did you swing me around, Polaris? I needed a hand, and you were handy. Sorry, as Polaris brings up Sink, and Wolverine says, it's okay, I just want to know what happened when I was out. And Everett, I know we need to talk soon. Says, yeah, I'm Morel. And Cyclops, you know, goes out there, everyone says, you guys can vote again. And Polaris and Jean talk, and uh, Polaris asks, why did you lie for me? I was thinking, just not me. And Jean says, I didn't lie. It's true that you said that telepathically, but I heard what you told yourself before that. Just pick me became just not me. 
I went with your first impulse, not the one where you talked yourself out of succeeding. It's so dis- uh, excuse me, it's so annoying when you're right, and changing what I said is so you. Jean says, you're welcome. You need the X-Men as much as the X-Men need you, Polaris. And we go back over to uh, one of the gates they have in New York, uh, where they are offering food to humans nearby, like some of the homeless as well. And Ben Yurik is there, and he has previously noted that the X-Men have been coming back to life way more frequently than normal, so he asked to talk to Cyclops. And Cyclops says, hello again, Ben. Come to help us feed our neighbors. It's a good thing you're doing, but I actually have a matter to discuss with you. Mind taking a walk with me? And Emma and Jean discuss that, you know, obviously they can hear anything that's going on with their telepathy. So Ben and Cyclops go off, and Ben asks, uh, sorry to take you away from your friends. My family, Cyclops corrects. Noted. I have a story to tell. Don't get too excited. You already know this one. Hang on. Humor me. Not long ago, you travel to space. A fight breaks out. You go up, but you don't come back, do you? You die up there, but here you stand. Only it's not just you, is it? It's Jumbo. It's somebody named Nathan Summers, who I'm guessing is related to you. His grave in Westchester is empty. Let me see. I guess this is Dr. Stasis. I can't remember off the top of my head. Watching them from afar, saying, oh my, look at him squirm. And then continues, completely unaware of all this. I had the story already, and cards on the table, I think your enemies do too. I'll be honest with you, Scott. It's maybe the biggest story in, well, over 2,000 years, right? Obviously a reference to Jesus. I don't know how the, I don't know the how yet, but mutantum has solved for death. Isn't that right? I don't waste ink on personal stuff, but this is monumental. You understand it doesn't just give you a nation. It gives you dominion. I'm not done writing the piece, so I'll give you the day to think about it. If any, uh, think about what? If any comment you want to give, okay? And that is the end. So that was a very fun issue. I've always loved Ben Yurik um, from his time in Daredevil. His, you know, his friendship with Spider-Man as well. Him always being you know, an honest reporter, uh, looking out for everyone. It's really nice to see him used in that way here, because you know if this was, you know, any other reporter, like they would have printed this already. But he wants to give them time to think about it, knowing, you know, how this will change the way humans look at mutants again. So yeah, uh, that is the end of our comics discussion. We'll now be moving on to our manhwa and solo leveling, chapter one seventy five. So. Another long, fillery-feeling chapter of action. That's like the greatest thing I can say about this one. Uh, Sung Jing Wu is continuing to use Kaizel, his dragon, to fight Antares, the, uh, one of the dragon monarchs or whatever he is. And uh, uh, Antares uses Dragon Fear again to try and destroy Kaizel. And... Uh, Sung Jin Wu manages to leap off of the dragon before he's destroyed by one of the blasts. And then Terry says, you probably won't die by something like that. And sure enough, Sung Jin Wu is alive and has touched uh, uh, Grand Nano and Terry is noticing that he kind of feels like magma to the touch. And <clears throat> he casts Arise once again, causing uh, Cassel to appear once more and attack uh, and Terry's, and we get some uh, nourish. Uh, excuse me, some th- th- thoughts here 
are the fires of the ancient dragons that Billion used to lead ineffective against him. He's got unimaginably more power and defense compared to everyone I've fought so far. I can't use my usual way of fighting against the king of dragons. I need a stronger power. I need power. A power that can defeat an armored mountain with only my bare hands. Wait up. Armor? And then Terry has noticed that he's trying to do something and says, You're trying to defeat me with that lowly shadow? What's that? The power of darkness is going towards him? What are you scheming again? As Sung Jim was thinking, armor. I can use the power of the darkness to put on armor. To make a bigger and sturdier dark armor. To make it so big that every living thing in the world can see it. And he casts this uh, spell that causes an immense armor to appear around him. And Terry's is kind of freaking out. The Shadow Monarch was originally one of the fragments of light, so they shouldn't have any other forms. That should be his original form. But how can his form be so enormous? It can't be. Did he summon the power of death onto Earth? How did he do that? He was just a normal human up until recently. How is he able to control the power of death to this extent? Sanji was thinking, this? This is me? This is the true strength that the Shadow Monarch, Ashborn, has left for me? And guys, say, he does look pretty good. Uh, from within my body, from the inside of this enormous body, I can feel an, an incredible and unimaginable amount of power endlessly flowing through me. And Terry says, I see. You're someone who's spent a lot of your life living in the realm of the living and the dead. That's why the Shadow Monarch Ashbourne was able to pass on such a power to a mere human. This human has been fighting a battle against himself all along, even before he received this power, for the sake of living. I must kill him. He's too dangerous. So he goes up to attack Sung Jin Woo. But the immensity of his new form causes him to back off. As they continue clashing again. And that's where we end the chapter because, you know, we got to prolong this fight. So I know I sound like I'm down on solo leveling this week. It's just it's just annoying, really. I, I complain about it every week, so I, I should probably just stop. You know how I feel. Uh, padding, padding, padding. I hate it. Even though there are epic moments in this, and that's why I'm attracted to the series, is, you know, that just dumb sense of overpowered uh, hero just massacres villains around him. And that's apparently what I'm going to get from what I understand from listening to uh, what people have written on the subreddit. It's just Sung Jin Woo killing some fools. So, yeah, that's that's about it for solo leveling. Let's move on to a better series this week. Tower of God, uh, chapter 511. Previously, Bomb was able to get uh, White to put the sword, uh, to attack him with the sword, uh, get caught in his uh, lower chest. White is fighting against it, saying he'll never let go of this power. Uh, this chapter is called A Dark Twist. I forgot to put that in my notes. <laughs> As we move over to uh, Kuhn and Asensio, who <clears throat> are discussing uh, what had happened recently, and Asensio saying, I'm a member of the Kuhn family who entered this battle as Jihad's army with Machinate. It's like a mercenary, so to speak. And Kuhn says, as Jihad's army? But why did you, why did I help you? Since I entered battle to help you, yeah, excuse me, since I entered a battle to help you guys. Help us? Let's save this talk for later when we're not busy. For now, I need to send you guys to Mashini. And I forget how this character's name is actually pronounced. If it's Moskini or something like that. But anyways, you also want to get out of here and help your friend, don't you? 
But, right, but I'll give this mouse to you. So once you make it through the field, do us a favor. What do you say? It's a good proposition, right? A favor? What is it? Well, it's nothing that big, so don't worry too much. I came to help you, after all. How can I trust you came to help us? Ooh, you're one suspicious little boy. Here, take it. Mashani will tell you what sort of favor we need. If you want to make a deal, shouldn't you state your terms first? You're going to take it anyway, aren't you? <laughs> As Asintio has grabbed the mouse that Kuhn needs to advance forward. Don't you know hesitating is the worst thing you can do in this situation? Which, uh, speaking of, real quick, as someone who uh, actually finished the anime for the first time, it was nice being reminded of certain things. And I forgot to mention that at the very beginning, that I finished Tower of God. Uh, seeing Kuhn uh, early on with Rack and Bomb in that one room, like deciding which door they should go through, and seeing him second-guess himself, that is something that's been very consistent throughout the series, and it's nice to see it called back even now. Like, he's had character growth and development where he's made better decisions and quicker decisions, but, I mean, it's still a flaw. So I really enjoy seeing it now. And to be called out for it. Uh, Kuhn says, fine, I'll take it. Excellent choice. But how are you going to get out? There's only one mouse. Oh, don't worry about that. Isn't that guy a mouse too when he's looking over at mouse? <laughs> it says, uh, Kuhn says, yeah, you might as well give it a try. Not a very far-fetched idea. <laughs> so we flash back over to the fight between uh, Bomb and White. As Arya is looking on, uh, participant Kuhn has arrived to the field to join the fight. And he's noticing what's happening between Bomb and White. Says, I don't know ex exactly know what's going on. But doesn't it seem like Bomb and White are fighting to take power from each other? I need to help Bomb. Is there any good way... And he notices one of the uh, uh, flaming uh, sweetfish around him. Says, come to think of it, this sweetfish could be connected to White with a spell. If I use this sweetfish, I'll be able to help Bomb take White's power. I was told it would be dangerous to keep using this mysterious power. But now is not the time to think about that. It says out loud, sweetfish, go help Bomb. Go! As it sends it rushing forward to interrupt the fight between the two of them. And White is thinking, these flames. It's Kuhn Aguero Agnes. <laughs> I always forget Kuhn's first name is Agnes. If we're using uh, the reverse form that typically happens in these things. I couldn't. My whole body is burning up. I hate getting hot. But I have to hold out until Bomb absorbs White's power completely. Kuhn is thinking to himself. And they're going back and forth. And White is thinking out loud, the last thing I need is a saboteur. <laughs> Then thinking to himself, but I've been using this sword since birth. No one in this tower is better at handling it than me. Whatever tricks you're trying to pull, you can't take my power away using this sword. Hey, creates more power around him as we flash over to a very different scene, and I had to remember a bunch of character names for this, so bear with me. I'll get them wrong. <laughs> oh, did I even write them down? I bet I didn't. Oh, well. Uh, we flash back to the room with, uh, is it David? Hockney. Yeah, he, he was the weird painter guy. Okay, oh, and Kaiser. I, I remember Kaiser now. Um, from that, that was forever ago. Good gosh, and of course I know who Rack is. And he's calling out for them, asking if they're alive. And uh, both Rack and her are alive. And Rack is screaming, that, that crab smashed the railings. I think he can attack us, but what should we do? We've got to help the black turtle now. 
and uh, Hockney's thing, uh, there's got to be an item that can turn the situation around. And he's looking through the menu, and he sees Summon Spearbearer as an option. And we see it on screen. So summon Spearbearer to a designated field and lets one shoot. Effect, the spear will hit the target at least once. If I use this item, I can help bomb, but can we do this without rock? Uh, this being a spear bearer. And he's about to be attacked uh, by one of the giant fish around them. Uh, he attacks it as well, using one of his spears, uh, falling from fish to fish as the crab appears as well. This is uh, the crab is saying, I can't attack you directly now, but I can attack the fish. Then if there's no railing to stand on, you're all dead meat. What should we do? We can't help people in a field like this. Bomb is in danger. He says, rack. Or rock. However you want to say it. I can't remember how to pronounce it in the anime either. I've always said rack. If you go out to the field, can you do damage to white with your spear? Well, of course I can. I'm asking you seriously. I'm serious too. I even brought a hidden weapon. It's too heavy to use now, but still. Okay, I'll trust you. Geyser, you think we can manage running from that crab until everyone reaches the finish line? She says, I don't know what you're thinking, but if this can help bomb, I'll do it. All right, then. We'll have to put our lives on the line. You have bought summon a spear bearer. The spear bearer will be teleported as Rack has been taken away. And, uh... They, uh, Hockney tells him to go help Bomb. And he's teleported all over to the battlefield where he sees what's going on with White and Coon and Bomb and Arya. He says, Black Turtle! Come out! And he summons this ancient spear carrier which is pretty dope design, not gonna lie. Uh, so we get a flashback. Before coming to the wall, Canon Lab inside the cage. I forget what the bunny scientist's name is. Uh, she asks, uh, so you want to use this spear that smashed Doom's head? Rex says, right. But this is too big and heavy to carry around. Then I'll renovate a cannon carrier for this spear. That way you'll be able to carry it around in, uh, in the carrier. What do you say? Yeah, that sounds good. It was too inconvenient to use, so I couldn't take it out of the carrier. But this is the right moment. As he takes a spear, and then appears ready to launch it. It says, it'll pierce to everything. And that is where we end the chapter. So, pretty hype chapter from Tower of God this week. It's so nice to see uh, Rock, Bomb, and uh, Coon together on the field together once more. You know, it, I mean, seeing them split up forever ago, and then again, and again, then brought back together. Uh, it's always been so pleasant to see them as a unit they're so weird. And I love their reactions with each other. I, I love uh, the way they, they bust each other for their stupid quirks. And I am sincerely hoping that we finally see Rack come back into his proper form again. It has been way too long. And I know, I know, that's one of the reasons uh, SIU is the uh, main artist and writer for this series. And he has had issues uh, with his health. Uh, I believe mostly to do with his wrists and his knees. Uh, maybe his back as well. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. And one of the things he would complain about in his blog post is that, you know, Rack in his uh, bigger form is harder to draw 
So that's why he's kept him in his chippy form for as long as he has. So I understand that. And I never, ever want him to push himself to the point where he is hurting that badly for my sake. But if he can give us regular wreck for this next chapter, I would be so happy. <laughs> Please. And then he can go, go back to being chippy wrath. And he can, uh, I hope he actually takes a break fairly soon. Because uh, it's been a while uh, since he came back uh, from his hiatus. I, I don't think he's had a, a week off since then, from what I understand. So it would be really nice if he got the break he needed. And I do believe that is about it for our discussion tonight. Yep, three comics, two manhwa. An excellent night, if I do say so. A pretty positive overall. Outside of my little gripes. So, we are Starving Writers Guild. We are authors who are trying to help other writers out there uh, get published. I find ways to independently publish as well. Get your books edited. Ask us for all those. Uh, all that information on our website is starvingwritersguild.com. We are MC Ashley, John Transylvania, and Barbara Page. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the Starving Writers Guild uh, Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast. We will start using the hashtag of blame John. <laughs> if I remember correctly, uh, when our next episode goes up, I will put that hashtag in the description. Say, oh, well, it's all John's fault. For why we can't have episodes on time and why we can't have episodes at all. <laughs> He's going to kill me. So hashtag blame John, because I know I will. <laughs> He's going to edit this all out. He's going to edit this all out. I just know it. <laughs> and uh, with that, uh, I do believe that's everything except for our, our books are on Amazon as well as our right, uh, excuse me, our website, starvingwritersguild.com. So until next time, see ya. <laughs>